welcome to Bike Shop Life, a podcast about the life and times of an independent bike shop in Buffalo, New York. I am your host, Ethan Johnson, co-owner of Campus Wheelworks and co-founder of the Campus Cycling Collective Incorporated. I'm a 24-year veteran of this industry, and this podcast will cover many of the adventures I have faced and continue to face as a bike shop owner in our ever-changing retail environment. I decided to create this podcast to better tell our story by actually telling our story, rather than just hoping the point came across in short social media posts. We'll cover our history, my history, and history in general events we promote, and events we just like to participate in. Race reports, tech talk and tech tips, staff interviews, local legend interviews, shop shenanigans, campus culture, and anything else bike-related that suits my fancy. So last week we talked about the changes that have taken place in the shops since this COVID-19 coronavirus whatever you want to call it, uh, adventure that we've all been forced into. Some of the adventures in getting established as an essential business. And uh, today I'd like to talk about what has kind of taken place since then and the kind of challenges we faced and adventures so far as being an essential business as the COVID-19 situation continues to escalate. I got together with a few friends uh, over the previous weekend, about a week ago, and we went out for a mountain bike ride and, you know, just a chance to get together and, you know, try to do something we would do before this whole thing took place. And, you know, there's been a lot of people suggesting that, you know, people don't go anywhere, don't take any risks, don't go around anybody. But I think at some degree there's you got to find your level of uh, comfort and participation with that. And, you know, while being as safe as possible, I think completely removing any sort of human interaction for months at an end isn't going to help anybody's immune system. It's not going to help anybody's mental ability to cope with all this stuff at a stressful time. So, you know, I, I made the choice to go out on a group ride with some friends, most of which are people that I've already been in contact with, uh, you know, my wife who I live with, my business partner uh, who, you know, I spend well less than six feet around most days of the week at work. So we still just try to keep our social distance spread out, you know, mountain biking, you don't need to be riding on somebody's wheel, there's no drafting. So, you know, we... We did our best with that, but uh, um, it turned out there were also a lot of other people out using the park as all of our county parks have been kind of just flooded with people that, you know, I've never seen there before. I live really close to Hunter's Creek Park, which is one of our best local parks for mountain biking, hiking, etc., and any weekend day, like the parking lot's been overflowed and there's cars up and down the street and the same, same was for Spragbrook the day we were there. So we definitely encountered more hikers on the trail than I've probably ever seen. And people were mostly uh, accommodating and, you know, we all try to give each other space and get out of each other's way, but there's only so much you can do. So 
Uh, after the ride, I was in the parking lot talking with a good friend of mine who's uh, an emergency room physician, and uh, she was kind of giving me some advice as I'm, you know, trying to navigate you know, what we should be doing at the shop with all this and, you know, hearing all these varied reports and seeing people's varied reactions from, you know, possibly overreacting to underreacting and just trying to navigate, you know, the level of, uh, level of threat that we might face being essential workers in this time. And she, she told me to take it very seriously and gave me some, you know, advice for the situations we find ourselves in. You know, we had already been limiting, uh, limiting people in the shop to, you know, one customer per employee. So there's plenty of room. We cleared out almost everything on the sales floor. So there's more room because our shop is very narrow and long, kind of like a shotgun setup. So just to give people a little more room to uh, get around each other and feel safe. Uh, so, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the use of masks. So that had just been brought up into the media that, you know, people should be wearing masks, even if they aren't, you know, N95, PPE masks, like homemade masks, etc., and she had recommended that if we are in close quarters, say, setting somebody up on a bike because we've made our entire rental fleet free, which is, you know, we thought was a great opportunity to allow people who may not have bikes a way to get out and get some exercise and little mental health break, exercise break from possibly being sh sheltered in place in their house or whatever their situation might be. But now I, we have to set up all these people in much less than a six-foot distance to get them the right seat height and teach them how to use bikes, etc. So she had recommended us wearing gloves and masks. So we started putting that into place on Monday as our recommendation to our staff. And I'd say both Monday and Tuesday, almost everybody I encountered customer-wise was also at least wearing a mask, if not also gloves. So... I guess it, uh, you know, kind of gave a, a feeling that we're all just trying to protect one another since, you know, this thing that we're trying to avoid is completely invisible and none of us know if we have it, if we aren't symptomatic, but we could have come in contact with something. So that's, that was kind of, uh, the escalation of our internal policy, uh, just to try to keep our staff safe so we can stay safe and stay open. And uh, we also kind of uh, made more strict our soft goods policies so of things that we normally sell, such as bike helmets and bike gloves and socks and shoes. You know, all these things need to be tried on to get an accurate fit because fit's very important. So we placed an order for some, you know, kind of like shower cap style head coverings, and we've got more gloves on order uh, to try to make a way for people to still try things on and, you know, not contaminate them. In the meantime, we're just measuring people's heads or hands, et cetera, with a measuring tape that we can sanitize after the fact. And we've made it a policy to not accept any returns on any of our soft goods to keep everyone safe. There is a shop in Austin, Texas, who I'm industry friends with, who has enforced a no just looking or no looky-loo policy. 
just to avoid unnecessary people coming into their shop. We haven't gotten to that point yet. We're still allowing people to come in and check out our wares, but we have started taking repairs at the door and trying to keep anyone who doesn't need to come in to meet us outside, and we can just do business on the sidewalk to lessen touch contamination possibilities. We have been on the mad hunt for hand sanitizer for our staff and customers, like everyone else, I'm sure. Uh, there's Buffalo Distilling, a local distillery, switched over their manufacturing to start making hand sanitizer rather than alcohol uh, to drink. And we thought we'd be able to secure some of that, but they're even sold out. So uh, we've there's a lot of things like that that have just been tough to get our hands on to try to you know, to add in as many levels as possible of safety for us and our customers, you know, again, to you got it, stay safe and stay open. So some other things I've uh, experienced and just wanted to talk about kind of uh, change gears here. But uh, the other night after, you know, two or so weeks of trying to separate myself from people and what I, you know, working in a service industry, you become very comfortable and used to shaking people's hands. And, you know, we, as bike fitters, we have to, you know, just touch people, manipulate them while they're on a bicycle and be definitely within, you know, people's comfort zone and uh, within their personal space and, now with this six foot separation that everybody's trying to get used to, I, I noticed while just watching a TV show that, uh, you know, some people are shaking hands and I had this instant feeling of like, Ooh, like what, what are they doing? And I was like, Holy cow. Like already it's changing me. It's changing the way that I kind of perceive the, my environment around me and, you know, just kind of wondering what, this is going to do to all of us what is this going to do to society you know is it is it something where we're going to look back and say you know before covid or before corona you know when you could touch people or you know are are those parts of our communication and the way we act as humans just going to go away because we're going to be afraid of one another you know i really don't know I wonder, you know, I guess a lot of it has to do with how long this goes on, how serious it ends up being in the long run. You know, obviously it's very serious, but, you know, it, is this something that lasts months or does it go on for years? Is it something that continues to linger and, you know, everybody's encouraged uh, going forward just to not gather in big groups? You know, our our big concerts, a thing of the past, are you know, our airplane terminals and seating like completely changed as public transportation change, you know, like what's going to happen? There's just so many, so many unknowns, you know, and things that I've been thinking of. I guess, I guess the question is, you know, can we come back from this? Um, I guess we're a long ways away from coming back from it because we haven't gotten through it. But you know, will we be able to come back from this? Will we continue to just be afraid of one another? Um, you know, I think human contact is a important thing and it's a real large part of the human experience. It's a big part of the way we communicate and relate to one another, you know, sharing feelings and, you know, a hug for somebody you haven't seen in a long time. Like 
if that if all that's lost, I I think that it's going to have a very negative effect on us all. And uh, let's see. I guess on on Monday when we started wearing masks, I kind of had this thought of. You know, is this like the new masquerade life? You know, I see, see people and it's kind of the opposite of a masquerade because at a masquerade, you usually cover your eyes and might have your mouth visible. But now it's kind of the opposite. We're covering ourselves from the nose down and all you can see are people's eyes. So that's the only inclination you have if they're smiling or serious or being sarcastic or sad or happy and their speech is slightly muted by having a mask on and you know it's just it's making communication more difficult and i think uh you know i my sister's deaf and for whatever reason i think i uh i almost lip read some of the time when i'm talking to people also i'm often in an environment like at a bike shop where there's a lot going on at once there's music there's multiple conversations you know, people might be standing three or four feet away from you. And, you know, my hearing is probably permanently damaged from years of playing in loud punk rock bands. So, you know, I constantly am kind of lip reading for whatever reason. And now that's gone. So if people's speech is somewhat muted and I can't see their mouths, it's kind of like you really got to get close, but you have to stay six feet away. So it's, it's like this whole communication challenge, which is kind of crazy. And this masquerade thing, you know, it's just like you, it's really difficult to tell, you know, what people are feeling other than it's obvious that people are not comfortable walking around in masks and I'm not comfortable wearing a mask and talking to somebody. And I, don't really look forward to the day that we all become comfortable wearing masks and communicating with one another. It's kind of a, you know, scary thought, but this whole mask culture is a bit of a throwback to the early two thousands when I participated in a bunch of protests, mostly anti-globalization protests and anti-war protests and anti-racist action protests and whatever. But one of the tactics we'd use was, blocking up where we'd you know mask up our faces just to uh, avoid people being singled out for possibly their gender or race or just to make us all a little more similar so we could have more of a spirit of solidarity and you know i guess that seeing everybody now walking around with masks and going and shopping with their identity hidden is just kind of a strange but yet familiar thing. So <laughs> I did not think we'd be, uh, we'd be doing this in 2020 and I'd be encouraged to show up to work, you know, dressed like the black block or what nowadays people call Antifa, the anti-fascist movement. We are all Antifa now. And now for a word from our sponsors. Did you know that Campus is the highest rated bike shop in Buffalo? Maybe even the whole world? Check out our reviews on every platform and rest assured we'll do everything we can for you as well. We live by the principle of treating every bike as though it were our own. 
and we attempt to give everyone the experience we would want to receive in a bike shop. Campus has your bike. Campus has your skis. Every kind of bike for your whole family. Every kind of ski, cross country, downhill, backcountry. Tuning tune your bike, your skis, your snowboard. www.campuswheelworks.com. And another thought I've been kind of battling with as we face this unknown, invisible uh, foe, Mr. COVID-19, is, you know, how much of this is worth it? You know, it's, I was really pumped that we got established as an essential business, but, you know, seeing, seeing the death toll rise in New York City and now occasionally seeing people who have somebody that's directly connected to them who have now been affected, you know, people that are sick and in the hospital, people that have died locally, you know, it's getting a little more real every day and a little less of this uh, kind of mystery situation. And, you know, am I putting myself and my wife, my staff, uh, and anybody else I come in contact with at some sort of unnecessary risk, you know, just so I can continue to keep people riding their bikes and, you know, doing whatever it is that I do every day. You know, I've, I come in contact with, you know, 50 or 60 different people, you know, and even taking these strides to be safe and social distance and wearing a mask and wearing gloves, you know, there's, no doubt that is increasing the risk that I will be affected by this, or maybe I already have been, you know, maybe I'm already a carrier, you know, I, I don't know. There aren't tests yet that we can take and it's just kind of add stress to every single thing that you do, add stress to every transaction, add stress to every interaction with every customer. You know, every time I give out a free rental, I'm like, wow, this is a great thing that we came up with, but is it worth it? You know, is it worth it for these people to have a free bike? Is it worth it for me to risk, uh, you know, risk whatever, just to be able to help them, help them make that happen? You know, it's just, uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in that, but I can't help but feel responsible, you know, if if something were to happen to any of these people that I surround myself with, because, you know, I feel like I'm at the center of it. Yesterday, my wife and I got out on a pretty awesome gravel ride. I had, uh, in the morning, been making a route for a customer of mine who has some fairly young kids that he wanted to take out on like a gravel ride somewhere out near where I live, uh, kind of in the boonies. And, um, so I was putting together, you know, like the flattest, but most interesting little gravel ride for them, like five, seven miles, etc. And after that, I was, you know, kind of still in my mapping mood, which I love mapping and making routes for myself and, having adventures and riding new places. So explore this new little um, pocket of some gravel roads down in North Java, which is about mm, probably about 45, 50 minutes from Buffalo, but, uh, you know, only about 
17 or so minutes from my house. So my wife and I drove down there and went out for a much needed ride, uh, you know, out in the country where there's literally no one. So, you know, it wasn't too long before I just, you know, noticed that feeling of that, uh, that kind of defensive, uh, self-preservation, uh, I guess, you know, fight or flight thing that I'd been feeling in the city, you know, being at work every day, kind of melt away, you know, where I can, I can now see for, you know, probably miles in any direction. And I'm out there with my wife who I've already been in contact with. So, you know, there's, we're not a danger to one another any more than we already have been. And just going for a ride and, breathing fresh air and you know pushing myself getting my heart rate up you know just reminds you that you're like you're still okay and you know i'm i'm not wearing a mask i just have the wind in my face and you know it just allowed me to feel normal you know and not not as much like you know i'm in the middle of this crazy pandemic and you know i think that's an important thing for people to be able to do if they have if they have that luxury and they have that privilege that i have to just be able to get out of a city get out of a urban environment where you're stuck in close proximity to everyone and feel you have to be in your house um, and just be able to get out and get a little fresh air that isn't hopefully teeming with COVID-19 viruses and such. And, uh, I don't know, that was, I felt like a different person after the ride and just, you know, I think it was some, some good self care. And, uh, now today it's snowing, so I probably won't repeat that same ride, but you know, it's good to get out when you have the opportunity because, you know, our weather in Buffalo is, like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So last thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, being interviewed on WBFO. Nick Lippa from WBFO, it's our local NPR affiliate, uh, was in the shop doing a story on the Buffalo Slow Roll, and um, Seamus Galvan had asked me to help him out with his bike because he had a flat or something. And as soon as I put it in the stand, I saw it was much worse than that. So I gave it the old 10-minute tune-up and then proceeded to blow out the tire. And so we had to put a new tube in it for him and stuff. And in the meantime, we kind of had a conversation about what we had been going through uh, so far with our COVID Chronicles adventures and uh, also talked a little bit about my uh, dabbling with starting a podcast and you know, it was probably like the first human I've talked to rather than just watching YouTube videos. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, he said he'd come back, you know, at some point and we could probably do an article about uh, the bike shops being deemed essential business and the kind of adventure we had and making that happen. So the title of his article was Bike Shops in Western New York for a few hours were not deemed an essential service. On March 20th, bike shops across western New York were told they would have to close down because they were not an essential service. Less than a day later, after most of those stores came together to plead their case, they were told they could remain open. 
and uh, goes on just to tell most of the story that I told in my last episode. Uh, if you are interested, feel free to check that out called The COVID Chronicles. And uh, also, he was very enamored with our COVID-19 playlist that we had put together with hits such as Down With The Sickness and uh, Britney Spears' Toxic, uh, The Police Don't Stand So Close To Me. So feel free to check that on on Spotify as well. It's called The Campus COVID-19 Apocalypse, and uh, it's ever-growing. Every time we, you know, come up with something new, I think we just added, uh, you got to keep them separated by the offspring. So, you know, basically, uh, you got to find little ways to break up the intensity and the, uh, kind of stress that this situation has put on everybody and being able to laugh a little bit, you know, not at the people that are suffering's expense, but just to laugh about what we're going through, you know, is pretty good therapy. And, you know, we've got to get through this one way or another. And we'll do that together and working together, you know, masks or no masks. Uh, we still can look each other in the eye, even if it's from six feet away. And the camaraderie that we're still experiencing, you know, being in the shop, working with all these dangerous, potentially dangerous 50 to 60 people I come in contact with every day. I still prefer that to being at home, trying to hide from everybody. And, you know, I, I accept the risk that we're taking. And I hope to hell that I'm not putting anybody else at unnecessary risk. But, you know, like I said before, I'll be at work tomorrow and every day after that until we are no longer deemed essential or it is too unsafe for us to work. So, you know, the bike shop life must go on. So thanks for joining me for yet another episode. Again, my name is Ethan Johnson, and this has been the Bike Shop Life Podcast. Thanks. Oh, wow.